0: I'll have a blue Christmas without you. me
1: sitting up front today. (laughs) It's amazing the emotions. By the way, I love eggnog. It's been great. Every service I get some. Now you want some too to wash down those cookies, don't you? It's amazing the emotions that you can feel at Christmas. Some of us can be up here emotionally because in our minds, everything's good. And some of us can look at the Christmas season and it can be a really, 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 really dark, blue, depressing time for a variety of reasons. And so as we enter into this Christmas season, we'd be remiss if we didn't address the blues, the lows, and the highs. However, it is possible to walk into this Christmas season differently. We have a choice to make. And there are many factors that that impact the way we address Christmas. Christmas can for many be, and as are many holidays, a battle for peace. Anxiety wants to surface, stress wants to surface, worry wants to surface, and even loneliness surfaces. Depression is on the horizon. Depression comes in many forms. Sometimes a chemical imbalance takes place in our lives. Sometimes it comes as a result of sin. And sometimes it comes because of the choices that we make and things we choose to believe. It comes in a variety of ways. So I always encourage you, talk to your doctor, talk to your, your spiritual doctor and address those issues. But if we don't address depression and darkness in the blues of Christmas, then we could find ourselves in a very, very, very dark place. So as we look at Christmas and we look at the blues of Christmas, they stem from a variety of things. They can come from, you got an unemployment notice this week. They can come because of money issues. They can even come, blues can come when you're thinking, oh man, if I go to this family gathering, then Uncle Fred is going to be there. Or I have to meet this brother that we've had this strained relationship. Or my mother and I haven't talked for months and we have to pretend that everything's okay. And so when you walk into this Christmas season, You and I have choices to make. Will we let these outside peripheral things impact the inner heart or will we address them from the inside out? A few years ago, two Christmases ago, as I was looking at Christmas for the first time without my father, buried him in September stood over his gravesite, was able to do his funeral. I wasn't certain what it would be like to walk into the holidays and to drive back east to Maryland with my family and no longer be able to go to his home and, and spend time with him and sleep at his house and everything was changed. We'd be in a different home and and I remember as I was processing this this next step of our life, this new season, I knew that I had to make a decision. Because the reality is, regardless of what was happening around me, there was still this incredible holiday on the calendar called Christmas. And of all the holidays of the year, this is the one we should celebrate. This is the one that impacted our world eternally. And so I remember just processing and preparing and spending time in God's word and, and knowing not certain how I would respond I remember driving home and then getting there, and then these thoughts began to surface in my mind. What would my dad say to me if he were able to speak today in heaven? And I got to believe that my dad would have said this Jimmy, celebrate Christmas. Love the ones you're with, spend time with them. I'm okay. In fact, I'm better than I've ever been. I'm going to enjoy heaven with Jesus himself. I want you to enjoy. Listen, don't worry about me. Love those around you. And I remember just speaking that truth back to myself that God was with me. And as we look at this Christmas story, we see people at all different levels. And we're about to look at an account of an old man who was anticipating the Messiah coming. He He sees him, and while he's seeing him, there is this couple called Mary and Joseph who just gave birth to the king of kings. They had no one they could talk to who had understood their way, and this collision of worlds take place, and both parties need to address these outside circumstances that were taking place, or their joy, their peace would be strangled away. Grab your Bibles and I'll show you what I mean. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2 and begin at verse 21. If you need a Bible, hold your hand up. Our ushers will put one in your hand today. Look at Luke chapter 2 and we're going to read verses 21 to 35. And would you stand with me as we read this, Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 35. Let's read this out loud together. Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 35. Would you read it with me? On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice and keep him with what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the folly rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. You may have a seat. One of the truths that often gets neglected about this Christmas story, God becoming man, incarnation, God becoming flesh and dwelling among us is this, the God who created you and me is fighting for you. The reason God came is that he wanted to give us a chance to receive eternal life. Sometimes we forget this very truth during the season and even forget why Jesus came in the first place. He came on a rescue mission. God stepped into humanity for fight, to fight for us. He didn't hope for peace, He fought for peace. Think about that. The scars on His hands and the wounds in His side and the blood on the cross and His death is a reminder that God came to fight for us. And so today, we jump into this Christmas story. Last week, we saw where the angels spoke to the shepherds, and now there's this man in the temple who is very old. It's 40 days after Jesus has been born. The family must go through a purification process, and Mary and Joseph were poor, so they probably offered pigeons or doves, and the Messiah is born. Yet many don't know this. There wasn't great fanfare at his birth. Mary and Joseph knew that it was the Messiah, but others didn't. And by the way, as we jump into this, Mary and Joseph weren't looked upon as very good people in the eyes of many people on the streets. Because word on the street was that Mary says that she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Mary is, is, is out there saying that somehow she got pregnant, but it wasn't through a man. Now imagine that conversation today. Your friend walks into your house and says, hey, by the way, I just want to let you know, I'm pregnant, but it's not by a dude. And I want to let you know that, listen, I have never had intimate relations with anyone, but I'm pregnant. What would be your response? What would be your human response? Yeah, right. So it wasn't as if she could go to people and say, hey, I got impregnated by the Holy Spirit. They looked at them and then Joseph, you know, he walked Through a difficult process because Mary, in that conversation with him, said that, hey, the spirit came upon me, impregnated me, and now I'm pregnant. He had to walk through that human side of belief and faith. And so when they walked on the streets, there was gossip on the streets. And I'll guarantee you, if social media would have been alive, it'd been hashtag yeah, right, Mary and Joseph. Gossip would have been on the street. So it wasn't like people were running up to them, and saying, oh, oh, I hear you're pregnant. No. They looked at them, they turned their backs, they walked to the other side. When they came in to worship their God, the righteous people would stare them down and judge them because they couldn't understand how in the world a woman could be conceived with the Holy Spirit. So it was a hard nine months. They didn't have, like I said last week, reveal parties. There weren't people excited. Hey, let's go to the real, real party of Joseph and Mary. No, they wanted, I'm not having anything to do with that couple. They're trying to convince us that they got pregnant. We know what took place. It was a very dark, hard row for Mary and Joseph. Meanwhile, there's this man who is aging. The spirit had come to him and said, now listen, Simeon, you won't die until you see the Messiah. I have wondered, as this man walked into all these places in in the corners of the temple, can you imagine him week after week, potentially year after year, coming to Grace Community Church? All three services? and you're like... There's the dude that says the Messiah, he's coming up, and everyone has a baby. He walks into Kid City, and he's holding babies. Is this the one? Is this the one? And someone's saying, security, get this guy out of here. So he was as weird as anybody. But the Spirit had told him that one day in the temple, so I'm convinced, he came to all three services at his temple proceedings. And he went to the north auditorium, he went to the south auditorium, and after a while, people were like, would you just call it, Simeon? Because no one had spoken to him. Yeah, and he say, No, no, no. I heard from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit told me that I get to see the Messiah, and I'm not gonna die until I see the Messiah. And someone's like, I hope you die. So there's this tension, but there's this hope brimming with this man. There's this couple that knows they have the Messiah, but it's a very difficult time. It's a collision of emotions, it's a collision of worlds. And I wonder how many times Simeon's friends said, would you just call it? And then it says this, look again in Luke chapter two and verse 25, it says this. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been what to him? What's it say? Revealed to him. By who? The Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. I wonder if he had moments like, Lord, did I really hear from you? Holy Spirit, was that you or was that pizza last night? And I wonder if there's moments where, that he just wanted to give up and he was tired and he was aging he wanted to go home. But hope kept coming him back. Hope kept bringing him back. Hope kept bringing him back that this could be the day. And then it says this in verse 27. It said, moved by the spirit, the same spirit that spoke to him, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and he did what to God? What does it say? Praise God. Can you picture Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Can you feel the rush of excitement in this, this, this man's spirit? Maybe even today you can see him. Maybe today that, that you, you just picture when you've had that breakthrough and finally the answer and the help and the news and you were clinging to the promises of God, you heard from his word and that relationship turned around and that doctor's report was reversed and that job surfaced. You know, those moments, it was the same kind of moment for Simeon. I picture this glee on his face, the rush of adrenaline pouring through his veins. I wonder if he had other days where he would walk away empty and thinking, I don't know if I can go back. Like, Lord, did I really hear from you? God, I believe you're good on your promises and I've I've read the Old Testament and I know it's truthful and I know the Messiah is coming. I've seen all the prophecy, but it's been dark for 400 years and there haven't been prophets speaking and... It's like, why haven't, you, why haven't you brought the Messiah? And I'm sure there was moments he wanted to give up and he went home, he wanted to stay in bed, but church started at 10 o'clock and he had to be there. Hope kept bringing him back. Promise of God's word kept bringing him back. He kept believing, even though he didn't see what he wanted to see. You see, had he not left that morning, he would have missed out on holding the Messiah Hope kept bringing him back. Belief in God's promises. And he even says it. He says this in, in what he had to say. It was in your promises. Sovereign Lord, as you have promised. And then he says these words. You may dismiss your servant. You see, I believe he kept coming back because he never worried that God wouldn't come through. You see, worry is at the core of depression and Christmas blues. Now listen to me. Worry and anxiety has the ability to strangle peace, has the ability to strangle joy, has the ability to suck the life out of you. If you focus on the wrong thing, worry will destroy you. And by the way, think about it this way. Worry is an act of faith too. It is deep-seated belief in a worst-case scenario. Think about that. It takes as much faith to believe in a worst-case scenario as it does to take faith to believe in a God-case scenario. You have faith. You say, I, that person doesn't have faith. Oh, yes, you do. You have faith in a worst-case scenario. Pull away from that and process that for a moment. So where will you place your faith? When you begin to worry, you're believing in a worst-case scenario. You have faith, but you have faith in a worst-case scenario. You know what I choose that have faith in? I choose that have faith in a God who can change the ruling on the field. I choose to place my faith in God-case scenario so that worry doesn't strangle me. Think about it. Some of you believe because Google said it, then this is my future. Sickness, pain, darkness, death, funeral. We trust Google more than we trust God. Google said it. So let me, let me tell you something. The next time you get a report, stay off of Google and get into God's word. Seriously. You know what we like to do? Oh, I got this and I felt this and I saw this and, and, and it means this and I got this ache. You know what we do? We Google. Instead of Google and go to God's word and see what he says. You see the moment you begin to place trust in anything outside of God, what you're saying is I have more faith in Google than I do in God. Amen. Stay off Google. Can I get a name in back there? Yeah. Over here? Yeah. Can everybody say amen? Yeah. You see we have a choice to make. So Simeon takes him in his arms in verse 28. Holds this child. I'm sure he was a weary man. The day he dreamed about was right before him. I wonder how many of these opportunities we miss out on because of fear, worry, and anxiety. I wonder how much darkness and dread and depression and desperation could be lifted today. If we just said, God, yes, this is hard. And God, this is hard information. And God, it's a difficult relationship. And yes, God, I, I just got laid off. And yes, God, my husband just left me. And yes, God, my wife just died. And yes, God, my dad just died. And yes, God, I just lost a child. And yes, God, I lost a baby. And I'm hurting and pain is on the horizon. But I believe in my God that somehow God is with me. It's a choice that we have to make in the middle of the pain. His response is impeccable. He says, sovereign Lord, and I love that response because it's a reminder that God is in complete control. He lets out a deep, heartfelt response, and I gotta believe this, that once he saw this child, this 80-year-old man began to skip around the church, the temple, and say, I told you so, I told you so. Those people would look at him and say, man, you're weird, old man. Something wrong with you. I got to believe he just kind of walked up and said, he's here. Believe in God. I told you so. You see, the reason he experienced and saw the fruition is because he continued to obediently walk in faith. The older I get, In my walk with Jesus, the more hope grows because I have seen God come through over and over and over again. You see, some of you are believing in the worst case scenario. Remember, your words speak life or death on your own life. So I'm putting my faith in God, and when I speak, I'm speaking truth back to myself. I'm speaking scripture because it doesn't return void. I'm reading God's word out loud. I'm not reading Google out loud. I'm reading God's word out loud. And I'm speaking truth back to say, this is who my God is. This is what my God promises. This is what my God can do. And even if I'm not healed on this side, even this relationship's not restored on this side, I know that there will be a day when I stand before my God and all things are going to be perfect in every way. I can walk in that truth. So while this was all going on, an 80-year-old man was skipping through the temple, there's this collision of emotions. Look at verse 34 and 35. It says this, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother. He looks at her. He doesn't say he says it to Joseph. He looks at Mary and says this, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a what? What's it say? Sword will pierce your own what? Soul too. While this was a great emotional moment for for Simeon, it was a hard one for Mary and Joseph. Isn't that how it is sometimes? Sometimes celebration for one and heartache for the other. The news that somehow this baby would grow up and be a savior and would be hated and loved by many... Think of how much love you feel for your newborn. And out of here, your newborn, 40 days old, six weeks old, you dreamt about it. Like, finally, your child is born. And this this man who's speaking a word of the Lord upon your life says, listen, this child will one day cause you to feel like a sword has went through your soul. That's hard news for a mom, isn't it? She knew that there would be a day on the horizon where she would weep and she would mourn and she would be broken because of how the world would treat her Messiah son. Mary, you might be happy now, but you will weep later and sorrow and pain will pierce your heart, Simeon says. Mary, they're going to spit on your son and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. Mary they're going to nail him to a cross one day and you're going to stand and watch it and you will not be able to do anything about it. Come on, mom and dads. Can you imagine? I cannot imagine taking Josh Hinn or Isaiah to the cross and not be able to do anything about it because you know, that was his call. He was the sacrifice for the world. And it says that Mary stood by the cross and a sword went through her soul. Pain, heartache. You see, the news was heavy, but it didn't level her because she placed her hope in this Messiah that was growing in front of her. Anxiety never overcame her. Paul would later say that we are to be anxious and nothing. And there is no reading or collection of scripture anywhere that Mary and Joseph ever retreated from the responsibility of raising this child. There's never a picture, there's songs that she sang, there's never a picture where they left this responsibility. There's never a picture where anxiety or grief that was so bad that turned into worry ever kept them from trusting in God. Even though the pain would come, they continued to trust in their Savior. You see, anxiety comes when we try to control things that are out of our control. See, we want to control the endings. don't We want to fix it. We want to make sure our kid does this and does that. We want to make sure our husband and our wives do that. We want to make sure that we do this. This comes. We want to make sure and anxiety comes when we try to control things that we, we have no control over. And the reality is we don't have control over everything. Only God, the sovereign Lord, has control over everything. And we need to trust in him. Worry steals our peace. And anxiety, depression, and Christmas blues surface. Jesus would later say to his disciples, to not let your hearts be troubled. But he would also say, in this world, you will have trouble. So think about that. He says, you will have trouble. Even Mary and Joseph had it, but he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. There's this sense that you and I have the ability through the strength of Christ to not let what's happening around us, to us, in front of us, to our kids, to our families, to people that we love, we have the ability to not let that trouble our hearts. We can't stop it, but we can trust and have peace in the pain. It's a choice. It says in this world, you will have trouble. And I've had tons of it, and so will you. But we have a choice to let it or not let it trouble our hearts. There's a big difference there. It's trusting in the promises of God. You see, when we have peace, we have both the strength and courage to live the lives we were created to live. Satan wants to steal your joy at Christmas. Let me, let me, let me. Have you ever wondered why it's so hard at Christmas? Like, why are relationships so hard? And why is, why is it so difficult? Why do I feel like I want to spiral in, 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 in anxiety and stress and doubt and fear and depression and blue? Listen, Satan hates Christmas he does we don't have a birthday party for him and every year people celebrate Christmas he hates it you know why because it's a reminder that God is with us it's a reminder that God is good on his word it's a reminder that that he came and he couldn't stop him from coming He hates Christmas. And he wants you to be a grump. He wants you to spiral in anxiety and worry so that he gets the attention and not Christ. You see, Satan wants to steal your joy. He wants you to walk in fear, thinking, oh, if I do this, if I go to that house, and that that relationship will go south. You see, fear has a direct opposite. If fear has a direct object, then anxiety is fear without an object. (laughs) We worry about something that has yet to happen. You see, some of you right now are believing in worst-case scenarios for Christmas. Home Alone, when it first came out, had a powerful scene when Macaulay is sitting in a church, and this elderly man comes up and sits beside him in this church. And he's got relationship issues. And Macaulay says this to him. Watch this.
2: You want to know the real reason why I'm here right now? Sure. I came to hear my granddaughter sing. And I can't come and hear her tonight.
0: You have plans?
2: No. I'm not welcome.
0: At church?
2: Oh, you're always welcome at church. I'm not welcome with my son. Years back, before you and your family moved on the block. I had an argument with my son.
0: How old is he?
2: He's grown up. We lost our tempers. And I said I didn't care to see him anymore. He said the same. We haven't spoken to each other since.
0: If you miss him, why don't you call him?
2: I'm afraid if I call him, he won't talk to me.
0: How do you know?
2: I don't know. I'm just afraid he won't.
0: No offense, but aren't you a little old to be afraid?
2: You can be a little old for a lot of things. You're never too old to be afraid.
0: That's true. I've always been afraid of our basement. It's dark, there's weird stuff down there, and it smells funny, that sort of thing. It's bothered me for years.
2: Basements are like that.
0: Then I made myself go down there to do some laundry, and I found out it's not so bad. All this time I've been worrying about it, but if you turn on the lights, it's no big deal. What's your point? My point is, you should call your son.
1: In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't it amazing? Have we believed so many lies? Isn't it something how you are worrying about something that hasn't taken place that would never play out? Isn't it amazing how you have more faith in a worst-case scenario than you do in a God case scenario? Isn't it something how these feelings come over you at Christmas? Isn't it interesting how many of you are thinking about Christmas gatherings, but, oh man, that relationship is strained and I haven't talked to them for years and they said this and they did that. I'd rather not even go, and if I do, I know what they'll say. Isn't it something how we, God's people, who have God in us believe lies that the enemy whispers to us out of the mouth of babes and children come profound truths. Call them. Go to that gathering. Invite them in. Walk through your pride and fear and worry. And place your faith in a God who longs to reconcile. Joseph and Mary could have been riddled with fear. Could have been riddled with anxiety. Could have been riddled. Yet you never see it on the pages of scripture. Peace and hope surfaced in their lives. You say, no matter what's happening out here, We must always remind ourselves of this truth. The God who created you and came for you on Christmas morning is still fighting for you. So, what is that lie you're believing that has you riddled in worry and stress and anxiety and Christmas blues and depression? What fear keeps you in the closet of depression? What fear has sidelined you for too long? It's like, oh, I can't go there because this will take place and I can't try that because the last time I tried it, this took place. And we live our lives in this 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 incredible <laughs> picture of worry and fear and anxiety when God lives in us. You see, you cannot control your circumstances, but you can control your character. You cannot control the actions of others, but you can control your choices. You cannot control the outcome, but you can control your attitude. You see, in this world, you have trouble, but God has overcome the world. You see, we somehow believe that pain and hardship, hear me out. We somehow believe this lie that pain and hardship should not be part of our journeys. Many of us see pain as the boundary of our limitations. When we experience pain, that's when we choose to stop. Are you kidding me? Jesus said, in this world, you and I will have trouble. We will have pain. We will have hardship. We will have days that we can't, we don't think we can make it. But Jesus said, I came and I overcome the world. And he says, it is possible to not let your hearts be troubled in the pain. It's a choice. You see, many of you are trying to find peace in a gift, in a relationship, in a bank account, in a job but it can only be found in Jesus. Even if all those things I just listed are upside down at Christmas, Christ is still in you and fighting for you. The hope of the world lives in us. See, your Christmas blues and depression often stem from believing some lies. Your anxiety and fear surface when you have absolute faith, hear me out, in a worst case scenario. It takes as much faith to believe a worst case scenario will take place as it does a God case scenario. You see, you and I must go through this mental list, and you need to do it today. You need to go through this mental list. What are the things that want to rob me of my peace? What are the things that I'm, I find myself wanting to worry about? What are the things that anxiety wants to surface? What are the things? Like, unrealistic expectations. Like, you don't have to buy a gift for everybody. They won't get upset if you don't buy them a gift. It's like all whatever your unrealistic expectation, when they, you begin to think about it, it's like, oh, 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 oh. Debt, oh, oh, I, I, I want to I buy the best gifts. Well, no, you, you live within your budget, then you don't have that anxiety of debt after Christmas. Make something, just give them you. Or world events, oh, I, I'm losing my job and I don't know if I can make, listen, God's not surprised by, I impl- by your unemployment. Or aging family members. You begin to wonder, what's it gonna be like without them? listen, listen. The earth will not stop and your life will not stop and babies will not be, stop being born because you pass away or someone else pass away. God is still on the throne and he's still fully in control. Or maybe it's family issues. And maybe it's the loss of a loved one. That was the hardest season for me to lose a dad. And the only way we make it, In the only way I made it, was knowing, ah, Sovereign Lord, you are fully in control. You see, Simeon pressed on. So did Mary, even after she heard from Simeon, that a sword will pierce her soul. She didn't let the pending pain send her to a dark place. She faced her fear and let the peace of Jesus surface in her life. You know, there's all kinds of choices that we make. I make all kinds of choices. I have, my family has a history of depression. By the way, if you're really in depression because of chemical imbalance, listen, it doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. (laughs) Get help. Talk to your doctor. We are chemically and spiritually and emotionally wired. Find help. Battle against it. Like, there are ways that I try to battle against chemical imbalances in my life and depression that wants to come with seasonal things. Like, I encourage you, like, get outside. Exercise. One of the primary reasons I exercise is because the Holy Spirit lives in me. But I want to stay, be able to to have an emotionally fit mind. Thank God for what he's done each day. Wake up every day instead of focusing on worst case scenarios. Wow, God, you gave me life today. My kid is laughing. Wow, isn't, it? look at it, it's 32 degrees out and I'm still alive. Praise God. It's dark at five o'clock, God. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Spend time with people. Listen to me. You got to battle against these other ways that depression wants to come on you. The enemy wants to pull you away from people. No, run to people, worship with others, go to prayer encounter, get in a small group, quit retreating if you're single. Put yourself around people who will love you and influence you with the good news of Jesus Christ. The enemy wants to separate. No, 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 don't run, go. Confess your sin daily. I can't tell you how many times I've sat with people when it's been spiritual depression and they say, man, I'm so dark, I'm so down. And, and so I just address it because it's not always sin, but I say, look, I, I just want you to go through your life. I just want you to take some moments. Search, let the Holy Spirit search your heart. Is there an attitude? Is there pride? Is there faith in something else? Is there a sin that you've committed? Just confess your sin. If we're faithful and just to confess our sin, it says that God will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And when he cleanses us, there is healing in the cleansing Get proper nutrition, listen, listen. I love eggnog at Christmas, but if I drink it every day, <laughs> I love Buckeyes, and someone gave me 12 of them last week. and I wanted every one of them. And i am telling you, I could have ate six at a time. If' I'm be honest, I could do it. I wanted to. But I passed them on. You see, there's things in your life that you must do. Get out in the cold, bundle up, and stand in the sunshine. Listen, at 12 o'clock, if possible, if you've got a lunch hour, or a lunch break, or you're working, listen, even though it's cold, bundle up and just stand out in the sunshine and go, ah, <laughs> ah, <laughs> Fight against it. You see, if you're not battling against it, it will overcome you. You see, our God came to offer us hope and peace, but we're responsible for our choices. Emmanuel, God with us. I bring you good news of glad tidings, of peace and goodwill on earth in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, I pray, God, that we would battle back. I pray that we would believe in God case scenarios instead of worst case scenarios. I pray that we would go to your word before we go to Google. I pray, God, that we would make good nutrition and health and exercise choices. And I pray we would spend time in your word and worshiping you. And I pray, God, that we would know that no matter what pain or hardship comes our way, because in this world there will be trouble. But you have overcome the world, and then you tell us, do not let your heart be troubled. And God, the only way we do that is when we know that you, Emmanuel, are with us. So let's rejoice, 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 Emmanuel. In Jesus' name, amen.